श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए और भक्त बंद की जाए प्रेम आनंदे सो सीविंग वे गैदर्ड एंड इट इज द ओकेजन ऑफ द इटर्नल आर्टिक ऑफ दाउजी गोपाल एंड इवनिंग प्रोग्राम दैट फॉलोस कीर्तन एंड सम हरिकथा एंड Uh, Vaishnav Mahima continues tonight, glorification of the Vaishnavas. Last night we spoke in praise of Sri Ananda Tirtha, Madhvacharya, and his Tvaitavad. And this evening we are celebrating the appearance of Sri Ramanujacharya. So we'll speak a little bit about his contribution to the world Shripad Ramanuja Charger was the first in a very prominent sense in the world to raise opposition to Acharya Shankar's Advaita Vedanta and uh he came in the fashion of line we speak spoke yesterday about four fashion of lineages dating into eternity and um he appeared in the lineage stemming from lakshmi known as the shri sampradaya But his contribution was so substantial that his sampradaya has largely in the world today become known as the Ramanuja sampradaya he was uh, from i guess tamil tamil nadu south india he appeared there and a I believe in a Brahmin family and um he was given the name Ramanuja Ram Ramanu Anuja Ja means born Anu means um following hmm? so Ram Anuja it's uh it's actually a name for Krishna who follows the birth of Ram hmm? it's born after Krishna is born after after Ram so Ramanuja it's a name for Krishna but uh he was considered is considered by his followers to be a type of uh incarnation of Balaram of Anantasesh uh, Lakshman if we follow the Ram Balaram through the different leelas and his different expansions and so forth he's been identified by the Sri Vaishnavas in this way with Balaram Hmm? and named Ramanuja. He came as I say in the line of the Sri Vaishnavas and this lineage was 
any of these, I want to say, ideas, of course, whether it be Dvaitavad or Shishtadvaita and so forth, they, they, they are different angles of vision on the nature of Brahman, the nature of the Absolute and so forth, and have their place in eternity. They're not like invented by anyone in particular per se. They're articulated in a particular way by different individuals in a prominent way that's understandable and and uh, serves to help promote, propagate such visions and so on and so forth. Um, so the, the lineage, of course, is existing before Ramanuja and prominent persons in the Sri lineage were the twelve Alwars. They were mystic uh, yogis and devotees. And they're thought, I believe, in the Sri Sampradaya to be incarnations of different the different paraphernalia of Vishnu, like his conch, like his chakra, and so on and so forth. They're very extraordinary persons, and they wrote beautiful um, poetry. They can be somewhat likened for sake of comparison to the Gaudiya Sampradaya with the work and the contributions of Jaidev Goswami, of Chandidas, of um, Vidyapati, and so forth, who uh, wrote poetry about Radha and Govinda's leelas. But there was, at the time, no systematic philosophical explanation of all of that poetry and their mystic insights and so forth. The, the poems were popular and appreciated and so on and so forth. But with the coming of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu into the world, he embraced the works of Jaidev, of Chandidas, of Vidyapati and so forth. He would indeed sing some of their poems and songs in his Auntie Leela in the presence of... Sarup Damodar Goswami and uh, Ramananda Roy or Ramananda Roy and Sarup Damodar would sing from them and they would, lo- in doing so, locate his mood, his bhava and sing accordingly, augment it, to, to pacify it, to, uh, to uh, uh, nuance it and so on and so forth. See how in tune they were with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> But these, uh, this is all bhava, so that is a little difficult for the common person to access without any bhava. Then it will be hard to understand those poems. And they are readily misunderstood to be uh, material love songs and so forth. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't take them like that. Of course, they were great mystics. Jayadev Goswami, uh, who wrote the Gita Govinda, is perhaps the most prominent given his influence in Puri and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, long stay there in, in, in Jagannath Puri. Um, so he was a great devotee. But we find then with the coming of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through Madhavendra Puri, as we discussed uh, last night, Ishvara Puri, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Goswamis and so forth, we find a system of philosophy. Pandabed Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, they're the, the architects of the Sampradaya, the the theologians, the philosophers of the Sampradaya that, as I've often said, they look at the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and located it in the sacred text and turned the waterfall of his ecstasy into a lake that people could approach, drink from, swim in, take advantage of, and so forth. They institutionalized the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a soft form 
I want to say, in a form, that means to say in a form of a theology, in a philosophy, rather than in the hard form, in the form of a corporation and buildings and so on and so forth, although they did, temples were built around the Goswami's um, um, uh, love for Krishna and so on and so forth. Um, They're principally thought of in terms of their contribution philosophically they are sometimes referred to as our Shastra gurus. Indeed, we accept Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu as Shastra. We accept Chaitanya Charitamrita as Shastra. We accept Prayad Bhagavatamrita as Shastra. These are the works of the Goswamis. They're not accepted as Shastra by others outside of our particular lineage, but for us, they've taken on a canonical, canonical? canonical stature. If we say, Rupa Goswami says here in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that's it, that's, that's Siddhanta. Hmm? Uh, so, you understand. Although his book is about the Bhagavatam, hmm? which is the book that other people accept in other sampradayas and so forth. And, uh, so they, they wrote the Bhakti Shastras for us. Hmm? Um, huge uh, contribution. And if we all then follow in that, whatever we write that comes after that, whether it be the great uh, Vishwanath Chakti Thakur, the great Bhaktivinoda, Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, and so forth. We're all ref- referencing Rupa Goswami, Vishwanath Chakrabhati Thakur, um, Jiva Goswami, and so on and so forth. They have a certain position in the Sampradaya that we, um, uh, whereby we have Sampradaya. In other words, their interpretation their feeling derived from reading the text of the Bhagavatam, that's more important to us than the Bhagavatam. Hmm? How their take on the Bhagavatam is what is Gaudiya Sampradaya. Hmm? So they take all, they almost take a position then superior to the, to the, to the core texts, for us at least, core texts that are accepted by other Sampradayas and so forth. Hmm? So at any rate, as the Goswamis did this, for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and kind of established who he was, what his contribution is in the world. We're following with, in the lead of that, uh, in the line of that, and continuing that, keeping that alive, and so forth. So, similarly, Ramanuja did something with the works of the Alwars and the early, um, uh, his uh, immediate uh, predecessors, Jamuna Charja, and before him, the Alwars. He took, and he did this, of course, um, at the request of Jamunacharya, who was the leader of the Sri Sampradaya at the, at, uh, at the same time that Ramanuja was um, gaining prominence, actually. Hmm. He was initiated by another great devotee, and his name was maybe Periya. Um, Nambi. Hmm. I think it said that he went 18 times to him trying to get initiated and was refused and finally was accepted. Hmm. And um, there was um, an opportunity arose for him to go and meet Jamunacharya, who was the Acharya for the Sri Sampradaya. And um, he, he was an extraordinary person himself. Um, he I, he may have been from a what was considered a lower birth, but he became a king 
if I recall correctly, nonetheless. But at Sri Rangam, having the darshan of the deity, he gave up the king idea and position altogether and on the spot spontaneously wrote his uh, Stotaratna, which is a famous famous uh, stotram, beautiful prayers, and they're cited by Krishna's Kaviraj and other uh, of the Goswamis and so forth. Uh, much much appreciated his work, the work of Jumuna Charja. On the spot he compiled it and became a sannyasin. Hmm? And the Acharya for the then there at Sri Rangam, which is like the headquarters for Sri Sampradaya. So Ramanuja had the opportunity to go and meet with him. And um, I, he was old apparently at the time and as it turned out, by the time they got there, it's a long story and whatnot, but by the time they got there, he had passed away. Jumuna Charja. And he had, I guess, three. He had, he had three fingers that were closed, like something like this or like this or something. I don't know which three <laughs> out of five closed. And um, the story is that when Ramanuja came there, he stated three things that he got the impression within his mind and heart that Jamuna Acharya wanted. And as he stated the things, the fingers, I guess the fingers were out and, and they, they closed. So the fingers closed or opened. Opened. Closed. Uh-huh, uh, yeah, so the Gyan Mudra. And then they opened one, two, three. That's so everybody thought, well, he's, he's is the Manasik Guru of uh, Ramanuja. Uh, he's the Param Guru. And anyway, the three things he said, he said, Timunacharya um, wants us, to, me, to someone. His request is, he has three desires, hmm, to... See that there is a commentary on Vedanta Sutra in accordance with Vashishta Dvaita Vedanta. Hmm? That um, the name of Parashara, one of the Vyasas of antiquity, would be perpetuated in the world, and that Vashishta Dvaita Vedanta would be preached widely and so forth. So these are the three things that he mentioned, and the three fingers moved accordingly, and, and he got, he became then the uh, a charger for the Sri Sampradaya. And of course, he wrote the um, Sri Basha, um, which is the standard commentary on Vedanta Sutra for the Sri Sampradaya. It was thought that if you're going to have a Sampradaya, you need to have a commentary on the Sutra. So this, you can understand, having that um, is much like Jiva Goswami writing the Satsandarbha uh, and uh, Sanatana Goswami penning, commentating, commenting on the Brihat Bhagavatamrita. So these are the seminal books of our Sampradaya. So this is the core book that really helped to establish in the world. And once you've got it in the book form, it's there, the ideas are there, it's percolating in the hearts of the mystics, they're writing about it poetically and so on and so forth. And to, to take it and distill it and articulate it, it's quite a task. Hmm? And this is what Ramanuja did and became very, um, of course, famous for, such that, as I say, the Sri Sampradaya is more readily these days referred to as the Ramanuja Sampradaya. Just imagine how, how, how happy Jumunacharya was 
with that, that the Sri Sampradaya would be called the Ramanuja Sampradaya. He wasn't uh, impertinently overstepping <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jamuna Charger, but fulfilling his ambitions hmm? uh, to become the guru. In other words, wants the disciple to become more prominent than himself. That is just his real uh, ambition. Hmm? And, of course, the disciple who does so feels that he's done so by the grace of his own um, guru and, and predecessor, Vaishnavas, and so forth. So, huge comp- contribution, the Sri Basha, and other works that he wrote, and um, his Vishishta uh, Dvaita uh, doctrine, as I say, it was the first to really bring about a systematic challenge to uh, Shankar's, what is, what is his Vashan Vedanta Sutra called? Um, Sharirak Basha. So it was quite prominent. He he came out with a, in a, to, against him in a very direct way. I mean, Shankar's um, metaphysical idea is might be termed in today's uh, English philosophical terminology something like absolute uh, monism absolute subjectivity or something like that. Um, he has the idea that, that there is only consciousness. There is nothing else. Consciousness is subjectivity, right? Mm-hmm. Matter is the objective world and we are the subjective conscious entity that perceives it, that animates it, and so on and so forth. So he denied the external world he was so strongly wanted to make put an emphasis on consciousness that he <laughs> that he denied the external world altogether. He said there's only consciousness. Drawing from statements like Sarvam Kaloidam Brahma, everything is Brahman, everything is spirit, everything is consciousness. His idea was something like um, if you were to say that he would say something like, if you can deny a thing, then it doesn't ultimately exist. In other words, all material things can be denied in a sense, to, in the sense of saying they, don't, they aren't enduring. But the very act of denying is a conscious act, and therefore consciousness cannot be denied. Therefore, consciousness is the underlying reality, inescapable underlying reality. It's at the foundation of everything. It's the basis of everything. It is all there is. This was his idea. It's a very um, powerful point, a very um, substantial point, even in today's world, if you want to look at arguments about brain and mind and whether they're they're different, mind thought of as it is in the schools of... Uh, like uh, philosophy of mind and so forth, to be consciousness. We, of course, differentiate between mind and consciousness, seeing mind as the a subtle form of matter through which consciousness mediates or interacts with the, with the, with the gross material world. But at any rate, um, in discussions of, uh, of, of, the, of mind, philosophy of mind or what's the other science of medical science, uh, neuroscience, and so forth. 
It's kind of a study of the brain and where's the mind in there and what is consciousness and so forth comes up. This is a really fundamental point that as much as from a scientific point of view, as science understands the world today, the objective world, they don't find much room for something that's outside of matter to influence the material world. They see it pretty much as a closed system that's functioning perfectly. There's no place for like something from outside to come in and influence. And if there is, why can't we see it? Why can't we measure it? And 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 what will that say in relation to the basic laws of nature that we have discovered and so on and so forth? So that's how they kind of look at it. And because they're very successful um, with that model in terms of developing things that make our lives maybe easier or maybe more interesting or maybe more problematic, you know, that's a discussion. I mean, we have cell phones, we have televisions, we have airplanes and so forth, not because they were they became yogis and religious, but because they studied how matter works and then they conjectured about it, they made experiments, they put two and two together, they got four, and then handed that over to tech, technicians who did things with that and the world is what it is today. And... Um, Arguably, I suppose they would say it's it's better. That's that's arguable. It's questionable whether it's qualitatively better and whether any of the real problems, as we would see them, dukkho doshano darshana. What is it? Janmamrityu jarabhyadi, birth, death, disease, death, disease, and old age. Whether they've been solved or improved. Um, maybe make some argument. Disease has been dealt with more effectively, but then new diseases have come as a result of our industrial society too. So everyone's still dying, uh, the last we checked, and so that hasn't been stopped, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, there's an argument for that. But at any rate, because they have been successful in so many respects, they've actually found truths, right? Mm -hmm. If you mix hydrogen and oxygen, you do get water. You know, this is like... Observable, demonstrable, you know, facts and so forth, and and in the context of this, as I say, they they see the world as a system that's closed, hmm? and uh, that kind of put started to push religion into the background a bit, hmm? religious ideas and miracles, the idea of miracles and divine intervention and so forth, the idea of a soul that's different from matter, which wasn't that prominent in Western theology anyway. Um, but at any rate, um, that idea doesn't have a lot of room So, in their, in their mind. So when they study the mind and so forth, they're pressed to try to explain it as a material phenomenon. That's what makes sense to them. Hmm? But something that really undercuts, and this is our point, that that pursuit and that sensibility, trying to explain why it makes sense to them from their perspective to deny the the soul. Uh, It's all of this kind of material evidence by which mm, they make new things and improve our lives, and we are really living off those improvements and so forth in in many respects ourselves. But, again, what undercuts it 
and what is an argument they can't really deal with is that that it, it that it doesn't make a lot of sense to say that there's no conscious self and that consciousness is not at the foundation of existence because the very attempt to say so requires consciousness hmm? to think like that to argue like that and, and so on and so forth and so this is a very basic kind of point it's a very good point it's a very very strong point hmm? it's a strong point it's a point that, that Shankar uh, raised and it continues to be raised and so without going into details of it we've done that in other discussions and so forth but it's very Ill- it, we all function to be short about it I guess a little bit further in such as as if we assume that we exist as a conscious entity and that causal events are caused because we think about them and then we do them hmm? it's from a we would call it a what do they call it a, a downward, causation. downward causation that the cause the causal is above consciousness is causal and then matter moves accordingly we all function as if that's the case you can philosophize and uh, 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 otherwise but then you continue to act hmm, as if consciousness is causal and so forth so that is it's one thing to wa- say one thing and they say, you know, you've got. It's impossible. I want to say to walk the talk of modern science when it comes to denying the causal role of consciousness. It's impossible to walk the talk. They all walk as if consciousness is causal, and that life has purpose and meaning and so forth. But then they talk that it doesn't. Hmm? So this is very, uh, uh, very deeply deeply illogical, irrational. Hmm? So the point, the core point of Shankar is very um, important. Hmm? Um, Descartes in Western philosophy had a similar kind of idea when he said cogito ergo sum, but, but Shankar's idea is much more beautifully articulated and it was not and has not been at the cost of, of um taking the spirit, if you will, out of the natural world that arguably is, was the beginning of the uh, environmental crisis that we face today. Hmm? In Western philosophy it was. When Descartes distinguished between consciousness and matter, he decided that humans were conscious beings and everything else, nothing else was, and it was to be enjoyed by the conscious human beings and the raping and the pillaging of nature and so forth uh, began hmm, blessed by the church, if you will, hmm, unfortunately. Um, but we don't find that. We find in, in Shankar's idea of consciousness, where he sees consciousness as different from matter and foundational and so forth, we find that he, when looking to, to nature, to plant life, to animal life, for example, he found reasonably that we have more in common with other conscious beings than not. There's a difference between our consciousness and the consciousness of the of the animal in that we have self-consciousness. But there's a lot of similarities between us as a conscious being and animal as a conscious being, the feeling of pain, perception of pain and happiness and so forth. Of course, it's, it's heightened in human life, but it's there in uh, less complex forms of life nonetheless. So 
Anyway, then the reasoning comes that there's a soul, there's an atma in all these different forms of life, and according to the form of life it's in, it comes out and expresses itself more or less, respectively. Hmm? Hmm? And so here's here's a philosophy then where there's an acknowledgement of of self-consciousness in human society and um, really a... Uh, um, well, a difference between myself and and and, and, and matter, but um, a a wholesome and healthy, happy relationship with matter, nonetheless with nature. Hmm? So, Shankar uh, was a, made a great contribution. Of course, in the context of that, he philosophically denied, as I mentioned earlier, the very existence of matter. That's another thing. <laughs> it's a provisional kind of form of reality that has no ultimate existence. So when in relation to it, then there was a way to act, but ultimately it didn't exist. And so it was a denial of the external world. Therefore, it's pure, kind of a pure subjectivity. Well, Ramanuja came on and just like punched him in the nose, so to speak, and said, what is the meaning of pure objectivity, subjectivity, if there's no object for the subjective to be conscious of, then what's the meaning of pure consciousness? There's no object to be conscious of. Therefore, you get these ideas in Advaita Vedanta of a contentless experience, whatever that is. That's why you find it. it's like coming close to Buddhism here. So Ramanuja came with that kind of approach and he developed his Vishishta Advaita, which is a Advaita is there in the term, but Vishishta Advaita, qualified non-dualism. The Vishishta Advaita of Ramanuja is actually more similar to the uh, Chinti Beta Beta of Jiva Goswami, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, than the Dvaitavad of Madhva. That's again another example of how different theolo- theologically, doctrinally, we are from the Madhva Sampradaya, although we're members, extended members of the Madhva Sampradaya. Hmm. We're closer theologically to the Ramanuja Sampradaya. We are also non-dualists as per the Bhagavatam. Vadanti tat tatvidas tattvam yad jnanam advayam jnanam advayam advayam tattva This is the statement of Srimad Bhagavatam. Absolute truth is non-dual consciousness. So we're not uh, dualists. <laughs> Madhva was the, the Dvaita opposing in that way. He came about a thousand years after Ramanuja. But our, and our non-dualism actually is more, we're more non-dualists, if you will, than, um, than Ramanuja, who acknowledged Swagatobed. Hmm? Uh, we don't acknowledge that. Uh, what are the three terms? Swajatiya, Vijatiya, Swagata. Internal difference hmm, in Brahman. Hmm. We we don't acknowledge that it's a it's a, and, and we explain the apparent difference as achintya, achintya beta bay. There's difference in one at the same time. He had a different term, a pritaksidhi to explain 
the relationship between, between Brahman and the world, between Brahman and the jivas, inseparability, it's sometimes translated. The term that we use to explain that is achintya. Um, Madhva's term is vishesh. All these four symbols, they got a term to kind of explain this. And we feel that achintya explains it most uh, more comprehensively. Mm-hmm. So the nuances of the different strains of Vedanta, it's this very heady kind of kind of stuff. Um, but in uh, but uh, uh, a qualified non-dualism, he accepted that that Brahman is one with things of the same category, one with things of a different category, but internally has difference. He saw the world and the jivas as the attributes of Brahman. Kind of like Vishnu was the soul and the world was its body and so forth. He's, uh, his theology is uh, thought to be one of the great forms of panentheism by many in the modern world. Not pantheism, where the world is God. Not theism, where the God is distinct from the world, but a panentheism, where the where God is the world and is not the world. Hmm? God is the world, the world is his body, but God is transcendent to the world at the same time. He's transcendent and imminent. We also could be termed panentheists. Hmm? Uh, perhaps even more so than Ramanuja. Ramanuja is kind of maybe vacillates between theism, classical theism, and panentheism. Depends who you who you talk to. Hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, similar, more similar to uh, Gaudiya philosophy than that of uh, Madhvacharya, and also different from Madhvacharya in the sense that um, Ramanuja, his contribution in the Shri, from the Sri Sampradaya was very universal. Madhva's contribution was very provincial. Hmm? Uh, it never went beyond Udupi. It didn't acknowledge other, other systems. It was not a very um, ecumenical. ecumenical. Hmm? Ramanuja is much more ecumenical by nature, and um, very universal. He was, he, 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 um, in, in other words, he universalized Vashishta Dvaita. He, he, he spoke about it, wrote about it in such a way um, that, as I say, others can come in from a modern perspective and, and appreciate it, um, his way of speaking about the nature of Brahman, perhaps more than uh, Madhva. Madhva almost has... It almost has a fundamentalist Christian orientation to it in, in some respects. Ramanuja is not like that. And his philosophy went everywhere. Madhva's is in Udupi, and Ramanuja's is all over India. And with the help of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, it's in America and Europe also, who built a bridge between India and the Western world for Vaishnavism, hmm? established Vaishnavism in academia, Hmm. Um, got a foothold in there where only 
where Shankar had a monopoly in Indology to a large extent and um, made room for Vashishta Dvaita to, and other forms of Vaishnavism to be explored by Western philosophers, theologians, Indologists, and so forth in a way that hadn't, they hadn't previously. It's a great, one of the great contributions of Prabhupada. It's one of the ways in which Bhaktivinoda Thakur's prophecy that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would unite all these Vaishnav Sampradayas has come to bear, not in the literal sense. They're not all united around Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but they've all been given life by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through the Paribar of Bhakti Vinod, largely in the person of uh, Guru Maharaj Jaisi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Hmm? Now you can find people studying Vashishta Dvaita in universities and scholars commenting on it, writing books about it, and so, forth, so on and so forth. And you find big temples in the Western world also. Most of these Hindu temples that are built, you know, in Malibu and, uh, you know, in, uh, up in uh, Northern California, there's some there all over the country. They're all um, connected to the, largely to the Vishishta uh, Dvaita and the Sri Sampradaya, Ramanuja Sampradaya. So they've literally gone everywhere. He went all over India himself. Hmm? And he was charged by Vishnu with the task of reforming ritualistic worship in all the temples and bringing it up to date. And this is a Vaidhi Marg Sampradaya also, like the the um, Madhva Sampradaya. Um, so a strong emphasis on Archon, deity worship. They have beautiful temples. And uh, as I say, he went all over India in his time and to all different temples and forcefully... Uh, um, not forcefully, but I mean, with the power of his spirituality, you know, he, he reformed the ritualistic worship and um, so forth. There was only one place that said that he was not allowed to do that, and that was in Jagannath Puri, where Jagannath is a little irregular in his character hmm, and accepts worship from all kinds of people. Hmm. And so Ramanuja was kicked out of Puri by, by Jagannath Swami himself. That's an interesting story, <laughs> and uh, was not allowed to reform the deity worship there. There's a story in Gaudiya Vaishnavism that helps us appreciate this point, too. Pundarik Vidniti was walking with, was it maybe Sanatana Goswami in, in Puri, and he, and, and he or uh, Sarup Damodar, with Sarup Damodar, and I said, what's with these uh, people here? You know, they worship Jagannath, the Pujaris and everything, but they they offer him the cloth, the first cloth from the of the year. You know, I guess you harvest the cotton or the silk, you turn it into cloth and so forth, and it's starched. They offer the starched cloth. They don't first wash out the starch and then give it to the deity. This is improper. What's wrong with them? Hmm? Suvadama said, I don't know, but Lord Jagannath's been, accept- Jagannath's been accepting that for a long time, so I don't know if you should criticize him. You're right, they shouldn't do that, but Jagannath's been accepting it, so I don't want to go there, he said. And Pundarik was a bit of a, bit of a huff, and then he went home at night and took rest. And in, an, in, a, in a dream at night, Jagannath and Baladev appeared to him, and they slapped his cheeks. Who are you to criticize our Pujaris? And then he woke up from the dream, and his cheeks were all swollen red. Hmm? And he said, I've been chastised by Balaram and Krishna. 
I, I've been chastised by Balarama. Because he wanted to announce it to everybody. Look at my red cheeks, you know. And he told the story, you know, and he was celebrating, you know, his good fortune. <laughs> so, so, so Jagannath Swami, very, very uh, merciful. Uh, Jagannath, Lord of the Universe, people worship him with all kinds of religious conceptions. Even Buddhists worship Jagannath for quite some time, tantric Buddhists and so forth, and had an idea of who he was. We feel that, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has shown who he is in the furthest reach hmm, of the theological reality of Jagannath Swami, those big eyes looking for Radha hmm, in Dwaraka, transformed in ecstasy, thinking of the Braj, Braj Bhakti and Braj Basis and so on and so forth, getting on the cart, hmm, having dragged off by the ropes, by the gopis' love, and taken to Vrindavan, and so forth. It's a very, very beautiful idea. But many, many different religious conceptions in Jagannath Puri. Um, so he's very, very merciful. Ramanuja was not allowed to adjust the deity worship there. But everywhere else he was, so he was widely traveled. He had a big influence, still big influence in India. Many, many people are aware of the Sri Vaishnava Tilak, whether they're officially members of the Sampradai or not, it's so, it's very wide, widespread. Hmm? And of course, Gaudiya Vaishnavism connects with it in another Im- important way, um, in that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu um, stayed at the capital of the Sri Vaishnavas for four months during the Chaturmasya, during the rainy season. There, he was at the house of Venkatabhata. And Venkatabhata's son was. Gopal Bhatta, who became one of the Shastra Gurus, one of the famed six Goswamis of Vrindavan. So from the Ramanuja sect, we've snatched one, Gopal Bhatta. And Gopal Bhatta became, he was actually the guru of the Goswamis. He, he, he was, Rupa Goswami didn't initiate, other than Jiva Goswami, which was his own nephew. Sanatana Goswami didn't initiate anybody. Um, Gopal Bhatta Goswami was given the position as the one amongst the six Goswamis to take disciples. I think maybe later after his passing, Jiva Goswami also took disciples. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu converted his father and mother hmm, in uh, Sri Rangam and um, the young Gopal Bhatta as well who wanted to travel with him. But he said, you stay here until your parents pass away take care of them, then go to Vrindavan and I will meet you there. So Gopal Bhatta went on to Vrindavan and of course Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't come there again and so he wondered how that would be, prophecy would be fulfilled. Mahaprabhu sent his dhoti and his seat, a little wooden seat that's preserved at the Radharaman temple, both a dhoti and, and an Audarya. I have a little thread from that dhoti, it's on the altar there in a little box. Hmm. So uh, the seat means that position of the guru, hmm? and Gopal Bhatta was the official initiator guru of the Goswamis, probably because he hailed from South India, from a Pukka Brahmin family, hmm? and uh, they were trying to establish the Sampradaya, Rupa Goswami, were ostracized from the Hindu community uh, and orthodoxy because of their having been involved in the Mohammedan government in Bengal, they were thought to be out, outcasts and so forth. And um, here, Gopal Bhatta was from this Pukka South Indian Brahmin family. And the Sri Sampradaya was well established. Gaudi Sampradaya, was, they were just starting to establish it. Gopal Bhatta 
with Sanatan Goswami penned the uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas, which gives all the, it's the, uh, what would you call it, the, um, all the codes of behavior, all the types of worship, all the mantras and so forth. Uh, it gives a lot of structure uh, to our sampradaya, etiquette, conduct, so forth. Um, and that was required in order for them to have credibility as a sampradaya, hmm? some form, some shape, and so forth. He contributed that, but but also we find in the philosophical treatise of Jiva Goswami, Satsandarva, which is his you know, principal contribution, um, that uh, at the beginning of each Sandarbha, Sri Jiva Goswami pays a tribute to go one bhatta, who wrote all this down? I'm just in notes, and I'm just taking the notes and elaborating upon them. Hmm? So he very much had regard for Gopalbhatta Goswami. He was a major contributor philosophically, I want to say, also. Hmm? So this is some some connection with the Ramanuja Sampradaya. We've taken one of their men there from there, and uh, he's become a very prominent person in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Uh, and so, as I said, he had the seat and the, the dhoti of Mahaprabhu there at um, the Radharaman temple and it is in the person of the deity of Radharaman that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is thought to have again come to Vrindavan and fulfilled his prediction to Gopal Bhatta in South India that you go there and I'll, I'll come again. He was worshipping the Shalagram, hmm? And he was keeping, I think, what, nine shalograms or something in a basket. And he came one morning on, on the, I believe it must have been on the, the Nishinga Chaturdasi, the appearance day of Nishinga Dev, And he had been meditating on the devotion of Prahlad, the intensity of that, and how it, it, it endured against all obstacles and so forth. I mean, the obstacles that, that Prahlad experienced were extraordinary in that, that not only were they you know, terrifying of being thrown in a pit of snakes and being fed poison and so forth, but it was been done by his father. <laughs> this makes it, you know, that much worse and so forth. Uh, uh, he endured all that and Gopal Bhatta was meditating on that, the, 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 the devotion of Prahlad and how the Sringadev out of the stone had appeared. Hmm? And he had an ambition to have a deity that he could dress and so forth. And he went in the morning to get the box of shalagrams that he was keeping and it was it was like bulging out. He thought a snake had gone in there or something. So he carefully opened it. But what he found was one of the shalagrams had expanded into the form of the deity, Radharaman. On his hip here and on his shoulder here, the two rounded pieces of the shalagram are. And the deity was a self-manifest deity. He's considered to be Radha and Krishna in one. So Radha Ramana stands alone. There's a dress of Radha next to him and so forth, but no, no deity of Radha. He's considered to be Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Radha Krishna, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, Radha Krishna Nahiyanya, Rupanuga Jani Rajivan. This is the life of the Rupanuga, the followers of Rupa Goswami. The Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha and Krishna. Mahabhav, Rasaraj, Duyekru. These two, Mahabhav, Radha, 
and Rasa Rajakrishna have become one in the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, there he stayed in South India at the capital of the of the uh, uh, Sri Vaishnavas. And today, also you can find there a deity of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has been established, and um, it's kept and regarded there. His pilgrimage there, his stay there, is honored by the Sri Vaishnavas. I think there's a deity of him like standing at the Garuda Stamba as he would in Puri, looking on the darshan of Jagannath. So, very much, very much respected by the Sri Vaishnavas. They might not entirely, uh, might see him in the same light entirely that we do, but much regarded. Um, it's a very beautiful story of how he converted uh, Venkata Bhatta, the father and the mother of uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, by way of Rasavichar. Hmm? He he asked uh, the, curiously, why is it that if Lakshmi is so chaste to Narayan, she wanted to go and dance with Krishna? Doesn't sound very chaste to me. And Gopa Venkatabhad said, well, yeah, that's a nice thought, but of course, Narayan and Krishna, they are one. So there's no there's no problem with what Lakshmi has done. Mahabhad hmm? said, very good. But I have another question. Why is it that she wasn't able to have a, enter the rasa dance with Krishna? And this Venkatabhata fainted at this. What kind of question is that? Who could even think of such a question? Who are you? And so forth. He converted him like this. And of course, then he explained his ragmarg, um, sampradaya, siddhanta, and so forth. Why Lakshmi could not enter the rasa dance? because she didn't follow in the footsteps of the gopis, which was Mahaprabhu was teaching how to do that. Hmm? Siddha Lakshmi tried to enter the rasa dance and she went and she performed austerities in Vrindavan, eating only roots and and things that fell from trees. And so this is the goddess of fortune, of course, who would eat royal meals every day with Narayan and so forth, a very proper lady. So for her to go and wear you know, a white cloth and live in the forest, uh, and so forth. is very uh, uncharacteristic uh, uh, for a, a tender woman of, of royal parentage, lineage, um, sensibilities, and so forth. Anyway, it said that Krishna appeared before and said, what are you doing here, Lakshmi? And in a forest like this, she said, I want to enter the rasa dance, follow the footsteps of how the other gopis have had rasa with you. I want to... He said, well, you, oh, you're not going to do it like this. He said, first, you've got to give up your husband. You've got to become adulterous. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's part of Kiya love, you know, and, and so forth. And she said, stop right there. That ain't happening. You know, she's chased in Raya. And so she couldn't go with it in terms of Bhava. And this is the way it's, of course, explained beautifully. So, there's a way to enter there. Hmm. And we have, to, we have to change our body. She had a swoop. She could change, couldn't change that. She couldn't change her bhava. Hmm. That's not expected, actually. Hmm. For us, we have Ishvar bhava. That can be changed. <laughs> <laughs> that must be changed. From Ishvar bhava, we have to become the servant. Ishvar bhava means the bhava to be the controller. That we can give up. Hmm. So, 
any rate, this is this is recorded in Chaitanya Charitamrita, so there is another connection point, if you will, prominent point between the Gaudi Sampradaya and the Ramanuja Sampradaya. And in more modern times, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who fashioned his mission as a an outreach mission to go to other countries outside of India and bring the news of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth. In order to do that, he felt he needed sannyasis. It was not a tradition to have sannyasis in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. He looked to the Ramanuja Sampradaya for a precedent for Vaishnav sannyas, and he borrowed that and incorporated that into his his uh, Gaudiya mission, Gaudiya Mat, and... Uh, in other ways, also, he looked to the Ramanujas and um, appreciated their um, devotion and tradition and so forth. In his own moth there in, in uh, Mayapur, he has the deity of all four. The Vishnu Swami, I said Sridhar Swami yesterday, but the Vishnu Swami is pre- prior to Sridhar Swami and more prominently known as the modern um founder, Acharya, of the, the Sudadvaita uh, form of Vedanta that later Balabha came in the, in the line of, became known as the Balabha Sampradaya. Sudadvaita, Vishishtadvaita, Ramanuja, Dvaita, uh, Madhvacharya, and uh, Dvaita Dvaita, uh, Nimbarka. He has a deity of all four of these, uh, what would be called the modern Acharyas of the Sri of the Brahma, of the Kumara, and of the Shiva, Vaishnav, Sampradayas. Again, uh, Ramanuja uh, in the Sri Sampradaya. And a very um, uh, extraordinary contribution he's made. His Gita commentary is very famous. It's much appreciated and has been in academia also. It was referred to by the Goswamis in their... um, Writings, um, I believe, by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur and Baladeva Times, also in their commentaries on the Gita. It's different than our commentary, but it's very, it's very logical. It's very, very, uh, very well done. Uh, so we are indebted to the Vridhavaishnav, as as Jiva Goswami referred to him and Madhva Vridhavaishnav, the previous stalwart, venerable, elderly, senior predecessor Vaishnavas for their comp- contribution. We're not really in competition with them. We take either two things from them or they've taken each two things from us, is how we want to think about it. With regard to the Ramanuja Sampradaya, the things that we have in common, the two things are Vaishnav Seva and Ananya Bhakti. Vaishnav Seva. How important is that to go to Vaishnavism? He emphasized this. And Ananya Bhakti. Ananya Bhakti means not not influenced by karma and jnana. And according to Krishna's Kaviraj, Madhva's is influenced by some karma and jnana. So this is see how central this is then. Anyabilashita Sunyam Jnana Karmadi and Avritam. Here's the very definition of Shuddha Bhakti by Rupa Goswami. And it is devoid, marginally speaking, devoid of the influence of karma and jnana. This was central. To Ramanuja, so these two things. But there's a third thing also that's very prominent in Gaudiya Sampradaya. From in, in our particular Gaudiya sect, coming from Bhakti Vinod, Prabhupada referred to it as the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, the family of Bhakti Vinod. We come in the Sampradaya, 
that Bhaktivinoda takes you know prominence in. Um, he took, I guess you could say, from Ramanuja and emphasized this sharanagati, prapati, hmm? prapannam, prapannam, jivanamritam. Hmm? Um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote, wrote songs about that, philosophized about that. He, he brought together the idea that the shraddha, which is the way to embark upon a path, faith is synonymous with sharanagati. It plays itself out pra- practically in the form of sharanagati. Krishna says in the Gita, Sarvadharman, Prityaja, Mamekam, Sharam, Braja. This is shraddha, this is sharanagati. So, Bhaktivinoda emphasized this considerably, so it's very important to us. Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj wrote the book Prapanna Jivanamritam, the lives, the nectar lives of the surrendered souls or the followers of Sharanagati. Hmm? And uh, uh, Sridhar Maharaj gave me a copy of Prabhupada's copy of that book. Prabhupada had a copy of the Prapanna Jivanamritam that was published by, uh, written by Sridhar Maharaj. Public, the printing was paid for by Prabhupada's sister, and Prabhupada had signed that book in three different places, like this, you know, under the care of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prapanna Jivanamritam, the original publishing. Um, so, um, a very important uh, book. It's a, very, very, a collection of different verses from the, the scriptural canon, and placing them in terms of the six aspects of sharanagati. Shadvidha, sharanagati. Anukul, pratikul, accepting things that are favorable and rejecting the unfavorable. Prakshikshatiti vishvash, faith that Krishna will protect me. Krishna is my maintainer. This is the 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 uh, lakshan, the principal characteristic of Sharanagati. The other five orbit around it and are the marginal characteristics. Dainyam, great humility, Atmani Vedanam, self surrender, self abnegation, so forth, self resignation. Hmm. So, uh, anyway, as I say, this comes in the writing of, of Ramanuja, and it's a nice uh, emphasis because after a whole explanation of how to get to bhakti and so on and so forth, through jnana, through karma, passing through karma marg, passing through the jnana marg, one becomes qualified for bhakti, and and so on and so forth. Uh, and then he comes to Sarvadhamma and Pratyajana, it's more or less, or you can do Sharnagati and just go there. Surrender, and uh, there are examples of, of of great souls in the Ramanuja Sampradaya that were from very unexpected quarters, so to speak, who would have been, thought have been very unqualified in terms of gown, karma, and so forth, a low birth as they would have thought, been thought of, and they would turn out to be great and extraordinary uh, uh, devotees in the Sri Sampradaya through prapanam, prapati, sharanagati. So, from our sect within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, then we have this extra third kind of prominent influence that we find in the uh, the Ramanuja Sampradaya of of Sharanagati along with Vaishnav Seva and Ananya Bhakti. Hmm? So a great 
debt we owe to Sri Ramanuja, a very extraordinary person, a very important person. We need to to establish the Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a way that he was able to establish uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya. I mean, the Goswamis have done it in a sense. They've given literature, but um, of course they've got some time on us, uh, quite a bit of time on us, uh, thousands of years, but um, they've done a wonderful, wonderful job. It is alive in the world and, and will be for forever, something like that. Gaudiya Vaishnavism will too. We just hope that we can be part of that. <laughs> we can have some part to play. So, Ramanuja Acharya, Kijai. Sri Vaishnavism, Kijai. Any question? Uh, I've heard some devotees saying Ramanuja Acharya is a prominent Acharya of their group for all time now. And they're saying that Prabhupada should be something like that. And I've heard arguments for and back and forth. And hmm. No many comment on it. I think that the uh, Prabhupada called himself the founder Acharya of Iskon, which he was. He founded Iskon. He was its Acharya. Hmm? Um, and I think that that term has been misunderstood by some of his disciples, uh, and um, because. It doesn't mean that Prabhupada is the founder Acharya of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. He's the founder Acharya of a particular institution within Gaudiya Sampradaya. And in fact, if you look at Prabhupada's godbrothers who formed missions, they more uh, readily than not refer to themselves as the founder Acharya of you know this Gaudiya Math or this. Chaitanya mission and that one and so forth. So they're all founder acharyas too, of their own missions. Hmm? Yeah, so it's not. An, I could be the founder acharya of this particular mission. Hmm? Um, I founded it and I'm the acharya. And uh, but that doesn't make me the founder acharya of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Obviously, now Ramanuja is uh, not the founder acharya of Vishishtadvaita, as we explained. Um, Madhva could be the founder of Acharya of Dvaita Vad because it didn't there was no Dvaita Vad uh, articulated before him, whereas there was um in Vishishta Dvaita, as I said, maybe less systematically before um Ramanuja. Um but um the contribution of Ramanuja in this regard was philosophical. He gave the Govinda Bhasha. Hmm? Prabhupada's contribution was, of course, he wrote many books, he commented and so forth on Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Bhagavad Gita and so forth, but he, his contribution was that, but perhaps more so a circulation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? He was more involved in, in widely spreading the teachings of Gaudiya Vaishnavism than he was in um, making a theological kind of a contribution. In other words, he took the words of the Goswamis, he faithfully repeated them, 
explain them in English, readily understandable terms, and spread widely. Hmm? Um, and he's a very prominent uh, Acharya in the Gaudiya Sampradaya. But we, our founder Acharya of Chaitanya Vaishnavism is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Jiva Goswami says that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu founded the founder of his own Sampradaya, he says, in Sarva Samvadini. Um, so all the Acharyas after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it would be inappropriate to, to you know, refer to them as founder Acharyas of the Sampradaya. We do consider ourselves followers of Rupa Goswami, Rupanugas, that idea is there. But of course, and he was particularly directly empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to write books, establish the Sampradaya, and so on and so forth. So I don't think um, I don't think it's um, really analogous. What Prabhupada did, his contribution was as great as it was. If you look at it carefully, what it was, and, you, and, and it's not the same as what Madhva did for the or what. Ramanuja did for the Sri Sampradaya. Um, it's extraordinary and it should be celebrated and it always will be and it would be very difficult to imitate and so forth, but it's of a certain nature and I think it's important to understand the nature of the contribution of any particular acharya and glorify them accordingly. So I think, yeah, I think there's a, there's a kind of a... Um, of a um, maybe of a little fanaticism that uh, that leads devotees in that uh, kind of a direction to um, equate Prabhupada with Ramanuja. Just like I say, I mean, Sri Sampradaya has been called the Ramanuja Sampradaya. You're not going to find that the Gaudiya Sampradaya is going to be called, you know, the Prabhupada Sampradaya, or you know, it's not going to be called or Rupa or the idea of Prabhupada Nuga for example, instead of Rupanuga. That's not happening hmm? universally in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You're not going to get, you're not going to find Gaudiya Vaishnavas of all the different sects, and there are many of them, to unite around that idea. You'll find they all will unite around the idea we're, we follow in the wake of Rupa Goswami, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu founded the Sampradaya. And you'll find across all the different sects, people saying, we are Rupanugas, we're the followers of Rupa Goswami. But Prabhupada, the nature of his contribution was such that, that for a couple of reasons, they're not gonna, that's not going to be replaced. First of all, Prabhupada very clearly said that his own sentiment was Sakyarasa. So most of the Kodi Sampradaya is pursuing the, 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 uh, the, um, the Gopi Bhav of Rupa Goswami, and, we, and then others who don't pursue that follow Rupa Goswami, nonetheless, in terms of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. In other words, Rupa Goswami wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. This is the definitive book about Bhakti Rasa. It's the handbook of what it probably called the Nectar of Devotion. Wasn't it like the handbook of devotional service or something like that? Which is. Something like that. So it's basically a summary study of, of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So that, that literary contribution of Rupa Goswami on Abhideya Tattva, hmm, we follow him in that way. We are Rupanugas. 
And then some devotees follow him in that way and in terms of his bhava, pursuing the Manjari bhava hmm? and not Rupanugas. Whenever Prabhupada used the word Rupanuga, he talked about following Rupa Goswami in terms of following the teachings of Rupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, hmm? which, in which Rupa Goswami speaks about the whole ocean of Bhakti Rasa and all the possibilities and so forth. Prabhupada never talked about following Rupa Goswami in terms of following the same bhava of Rupa Goswami. But most Gaudiya Vaishnavas, uh, many, many I should say, identify with that, and that's fine. So there's two ways, in other words, in which Gaudiyas of all the different, all different sects of Gaudiyas will consider themselves Rupanugas. Hmm? Just like if you, if you read the book of Nayanananda Thakur, Bhakti, uh, Preo Bhakti Rasarnama, which is a, which is, it's kind of like a Sakurasa version of Ujbal Nilmani or something like that. And he's constantly quoting the Goswami, Rupa Goswami. Everything's taken from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu about Sakurasa there. Hmm? So he's a follower of Rupa Goswami. It's apparent. Hmm? He's following him in terms of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and he's following a particular bhav that has been explained by Rupa Goswami. Anyway, so you follow what I'm saying. There's two senses in which the Godis consider themselves Rupanugas. Um, and it's universal. So you're not going to find, you know, the Babaji's at Radhakund saying that we're, you know, the Prabhupada Nugas or, you know, or the followers of um, uh, Shamananda Prabhu, you know, they also say they're Rupanugas. They're not going to say that they're uh, Prabhupada Nugas. It's not going to. That's not going to happen in Gaudiya Sampradaya. That's because Prabhupada's contribution, as extraordinary as it was, it's different than Rupa Goswami's contribution. It's different in nature than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's contribution as the founder of the Sampradaya, which gives them those, those names, and nobody has any objection to following them. They're universally accepted. Prabhupada is should be universally accepted as the person that fulfilled the prophecy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that Gaudi Vaishnavism would go to every town and village, that uh, is injecting you know, life in Gaudi Vaishnavism within India today in a way that it, it, it wouldn't have had if it weren't for his contribution, that he's empowered by Nityananda Prabhu hmm? himself, like another you know, second appearance of the Shakti of Nityananda Prabhu to preach. I mean, these are extraordinary ways to talk about about Prabhupada, about any devotee to say that. And I know Gaudiya people outside of our sect, our Sampradaya, from Vrindavan, um, there was one fellow, you know Sadhumar? Sadhumar, she, he ran the shrink, he had a, his, Mungir Mandir, his father started and Prabhupada worshipped there at one point and, and he, his son, was initiated by, I think, Radhadamadar, Babaji Maharaj, Das Babaji, or something like that. And um, Babaji told him that, you know, if, you, you know, you should practice bhakti, you should go and take shelter of A.C. Bhakti, you know, bhakti, bhakti Vedanta Swami. He's empowered by Nityananda Prabhu in this world to, to bring bhakti, you know, far and wide. You should go and take shelter of his mission. That's what he told him. Hmm? And he went there and Prabhupada saw, oh, you're the son of so-and-so. I used to worship at the temple. Who's taking care of the deity? And he said, oh, I've got so many people taking care. And Prabhupada said, no, you should be taking care. Hmm? 
Not that you get other people to come and take care of the deity. You should be taking care of the deity. So he took that up, and eventually he took sannyas from uh, Paramadwaiti Maharaj. Hmm? And he's preaching in different parts of the world and so on and so forth. Anyway, my point is this guru said, Bhakti Vedanta Swami, he is empowered by Nityananda Prabhu for his work. You should go and take shelter. So this is, I mean, that's extraordinary, you know, glorification hmm, to say that about him. And it's appropriate. But to say now everyone will become a Prabhupada Nuga would mean that we will follow the teachings of Prabhupada as he wrote them in books. That will become the standard of Siddhanta and everything will orbit around that. When in fact, Prabhupada's books are orbiting around Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, you know, and uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. I said earlier, these were the Shastra gurus, right? The Goswamis. And extends to Krishnas Kaviraj also. The final final book, so to speak, of Gaudiya Vaishnava, the core book. And there are many books after that, all drawn from those books and so forth. So Prabhupada didn't write that kind of book. He wrote on those kind of books, commented upon them, made them accessible, explained them, and so forth. And there's a, there's a difference. So to say that we're to, to try to switch it around, so to speak, is, is is kind of backwards. Prabhupada told us that his credibility as an acharya was drawn from the fact that he strictly followed Rupanuga Virudapa Siddhanta Dvanta Harane. Right? Anything that deviates in any way slightly from Rupa Goswami's conclusions, we can't tolerate that. This is our Gaudiya Vaishnava. So the, the whole Gaudiya Vaishnava community is not going to come to the point to say anything that's different from the Siddhanta, Bhaktivedanta, you know, we, we, we can't tolerate because his Siddhanta is already saying that about Rupa Goswami. So we, we don't want to be, replace Rupa Goswami with Prabhupada. That would be inappropriate. And we don't want to say that Rupa Goswami was empowered by Nityananda to go all over the world. And, you know, that's not how the Lord moved him. So we should identify how Bhagwan Chaitanya moves great devotees and glorify them unlimitedly in accordance with that particular empowerment and accurately in terms of their contribution. And there's so much to be said. But those aren't the things to be said. Hmm? So if anybody is the Ramanuja, if you will, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, it's the six Goswamis in terms of he wrote the Sri Bhashyam, there it is. There's the Siddhanta. Hmm? Um, it, w- it wouldn't be Prabhupada. And of course, Prabhupada didn't found the Sampradaya Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the founder of it. Uh, he is the... He is the he is the Ramanuja. He is the, the Madhva. Uh, he is an embarka of the Gaudiya um, Sampradaya. So I think that um, we can appreciate the enthusiasm that others have, Prabhupada's disciples, to glorify him and grand disciples and so forth. But there's a way in which we could, in the name of glorifying, actually not glorify after all, um, Swarup Damodar was positioned in Puri as the secretary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And if anyone wanted to come and offer praise to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, not just any praise would be accepted and passed on to Mahaprabhu. It had to be proper according to, to Rasa and according to Tattva. And Rupa Goswami would e- examine it and accept some and reject some and so forth. 
So the, the sentiment to glorify is half the equation. And then how to do it properly, philosophically correct, that's the other half. Prabhupada himself said, well, sentiment without philosophy is religious fanaticism. Philosophy without sentiment is just mental speculation. Hmm? So you, they have a nice sentiment to glorify Prabhupada, but if it isn't in consideration of the reality of the situation, then it, it, it becomes almost um, unbecoming. Even though the sentiment and intention is 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 good, you follow. I mean, we are part of a sampradaya. We may not agree with all the other different sects and so forth, but you know, we are prominent. We're in the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. We've done a lot. Our Paribar is, to, you know, and largely through Prabhupada's influence, Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta, and Prabhupada. I mean, huge contribution. There's, 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 there's no. You know, nothing in comparison in the modern world with that. Um, um, but it's, it is the sampradaya that many others are participating in, and they should be appreciating that from where they are, that contribution. But we can't come and turn around and say, now you all should be the followers of Prabhupada, and you should understand Rupa Goswami in accordance to Prabhupada instead of understand Prabhupada in relation to Rupa Goswami. It <laughs> would be a little backwards. You follow? Yeah. Questions very different from what I've been hearing all these years. How does it settle with you? Um, well, I'm thinking if we set aside reactionism to things that have happened in the past, we set aside fanaticism and misunderstandings. What is it that Prabhupada really wanted? And I'm thinking it always is healthy to have some personality that's prominent, the torchbearer, everyone says, that's the guy, that's the way. Mm-hmm. And it becomes really clear, and as we said yesterday, most people aren't deeply philosophical. Most people aren't going to go down to the root of the whole thing and see that it's Rupa Goswami. They just see the ISKCON mission, it becomes clear, and then they go that way, and that's kind of what we see all over the world, is Prabhupada's working in temples mm-hmm. everywhere. Russia, Japan, Hong Kong. He's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it appeared like that's what he wanted, was that you know, not, not out of like any egoism or anything, but just, mm-hmm. this is what's needed. Here I am. Look, I've gotten this. It's successful. Everybody, look at me and follow me, and let's go. And if, if you don't like it, then you know that's okay. You got these other branches, and, mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of devotees that see things that way, and they're, they're working really hard and sincerely to yeah. help bring that about. And uh, so I'm not about to like jump off that wagon or, or, or entirely change my whole thought pattern. Yeah, no, I think that there's a way to do that uh, also. I mean, Prabhupada considered his mission to be the mission of Bhakti Vinod. Um, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur used to say to his disciples when they were when they asked that if people ask us what Paribar are we a member of, because Paribar is like a word for sampradaya or a sect or family, it means. And these paribars, paribars 
stem from the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Rupa Goswami, Gadadhar Pandit, Advaita Paribar, Nityananda Paribar, and so on and so forth. And all the lineages come from such people and so forth. And so he was asked, um, you know, what, what, what is our Paribar? He said, Bhakti Minod Paribar. Of course, Bhakti Minod Thakur is not there in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela with Rupa Goswami when he appeared and so forth, but he felt that the contribution of Bhakti Minod was so prominent hmm, that he wanted to say we, that, that, that you know, he's the seventh Goswami. Hmm. Now, the work of Bhakti Minod Thakur is analogous to that of the Goswamis in many respects, more so than, than I think, than Prabhupada, technically speaking. But um, if you want to say, um, well, to give another example, let's say Narutam Paribar. That they also have the Narutam Paribar. Well, Narutam was a disciple of Lokanath Goswami. Hmm? And he wasn't an immediate disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he was so prominent that they started calling it the 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 uh, the uh, Narutam Paribar, and that's that's stuck. There's a Shamananda Paribar, and he was not a direct associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu either, but there's a whole course story in that connection. So you might want to say, you know, we're in the Prabhupada Paribar. Hmm? That would be, you know, I like to say Bhakti Vinod Paribar because that's what Prabhupada said. But um, uh, Sri Ramar said that we, he would think of it like this, that the vision came in Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur gave the initial shape to it, and Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world. Hmm? So I like to make that kind of a, you know, a threesome. I think Prabhupada wanted to do that too. I think that Prabhupada did want to stress Bhakti Vinod Thakur and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. His commentary on Chaitanya Charitamrita is largely reiterating the commentary of Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Siddhanta, for example. Uh, his Upadesha Amrita, similarly, and so forth, which is fine. Uh, but, um, but, but anyway, I think that that might be a way to harmonize, you know, in, in consideration of all these things we we talked about, and say, you know, we're in the Prabhupada Paribar, but I would like to see then that those who, who want to do that, and I'm all for that, I like that um, idea, that they look at Prabhupada both externally and internally. I think that's important. And I think that Prabhupada, there's really re, there's really justification for that in both sides. When we look at his wide-scale propagation and his, his, his desire to interact with the world and be contemporary and so forth, which, of course, Bhakti Vinod Thakur wanted, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur did to some extent. That's a, that's a characteristic of his mission and so forth that, that really does give the Gaudiya Sampradaya life in Russia and this place and that place and so forth, and it's a little different than you're going to find at Radhakund or you know at Govardhan, and but it's but but it's 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 cool. It's kind of up to date. It's like like if you know if you go to the Krishna Balaram Temple in India, it's all clean, you know, by Western standards. So many Indians like that. They, that's 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 reason enough, you know. They got all the Western facilities, and you know it's up to date. They're, there are ways in which it might not be up to date, but some ways in which it is comparatively, and that's attractive. This is a great contribution of Prabhupada, that kind of, and his disciples carry that out. I think uh, they do things kind of like paka, you know, um, paka deity worship and cleanliness and uh, kind of things like that. Um, and they learn the philosophy, uh, you know, pretty good and so forth. So, uh, <laughs> so. That's that side, and outreach and so forth. And then there's, you know, 
oh, my friend. You know, that's the other side of Prabhupada, right? I don't know if you got to read that book of Fabruz yet, you know. So that's the other side of Rupa Goswami that I talked about earlier. And this is an extraordinary thing in the Gaudi Sampradaya. Hmm? Such a prominent Acharya as Prabhupada was, undeniably, and he shows this affinity for Sakurasa and comes right out and says it and writes about it in his private memoirs to Krishna and so forth, as stating his aspiration. That is a very wonderful thing to be celebrated. And the, inf- the ongoing and prominent influence of Nityananda Prabhu in, in the Sampradaya. So I think to, to gather around that also and acknowledge that as is appropriate, as well as his external contribution, is a way of saying we're different and, and, and that's, that's really nice. It's a nice way to be different. It's, 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 it's not, uh, it's, it is, it's a reality. Hmm? And we follow in that way, you know. Um, or some people, followers of Prabhupada, will want to pursue the uh, Gopi Bob and so forth. And, and, you know, he taught about that too. That's not a problem. But, but to be, you know, the Prabhupada in the Prabhupada Paribar and a follower of Prabhupada in the extreme sense of the term, as some people like to think of it, I'm a Prabhupada man, you know, only. Then it should go, you know, that far. <laughs> and if it does, then you're not going to be that kind of fanatic that sometimes the Prabhupada men are, you know. That. So I, I, I think um, all things appropriate, um, and it, and uh, the more we, the disciples of Prabhupada, come to understand Prabhupada and his contribution, who he was, they have every reason to, to uh, kind of distinguish him from the crowd so to speak, and, and proudly say, I'm in the Prabhupada Parivar. But I, I, I don't think it's... It, I, I think it gets... There's a problem when you say, you know, he's the he's like the Madhva. Because Madhva set in place the whole Dvaita Vad. You know, he's the, the Ramanuja. He set in place the Bashishta Dvaita, the Sri Bhasha. And Prabhupada didn't do that. Prabhupada's commentaries are commentaries on Rupa Goswami, on Krishna's Kaviraj, and so forth. And there's a significant difference there. So there's a way to um, th- uh, to um, you know do what what you're talking about, and I think it's appropriate, and and not run into that kind of a problem where you're going to get objections. You want to unite. You you want to say we you know let the world let Prabhupada be the you know the the icon the the, the lighthouse in the sea of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the modern world. His 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 um, Morty everywhere and so forth. That's good, but you're not, for for very significant reasons, you're not going to be able to unite all Gaudiya Vaishnavas in that way. Now, if you want to say, this is the Prabhupada Paribar, they're going to go, wow, okay, cool. One of, one of, one of, the, one of the sects within our Gaudiya Sampradaya has, has done this and it's been empowered by Nityananda Prabhu and it's all, let him be, you know, glorified everywhere from sea to sea, you know. Yes, you know, like they'll say, that this wonderful thing happened to Shamananda. We call it now the Shamananda Paribar. Hmm? You know, he was initiated into the Sakyarasa and the gopis came and took him into Madhurya Rasa and that's celebrated throughout Gaudi Sampradaya. It's a wonderful thing and Shamananda has this unique position and so forth. That's all from an internal, of course, perspective. I want to look at Prabhupada both externally and internally. And there's a way in which you could unite all Gaudiya Vaishnavas from all sects 
around glorifying Prabhupada and appreciating that and so forth. And there's a way that you could rub them the wrong way and get the you know opposite reaction. That's my kind of concern about it. So, and we do that. We do see that. You know, like you say, you want to put all the fanaticism aside, so forth. And we want to do that. And and in, I think this might be a way to think about it. You know, this is a, a special, unique contribution in Gaudi Sampradaya. If you just say what it is, it's cool. I mean, it's extraordinary. Say it for what it is, and. Uh, and let him be the light, leading leading light for, for those who can identify with that. Yes. I was talking, had a long talk with the Ramanuja Pujari. Mm-hmm. He was telling me about his great great grandparents who toured all over South India on behalf of Ramanujacharya, preaching, and they had this murti that they carried with them, and he was motioning like that, motioning, and I have that. Morty now, and he said, "There's so much property in India that that Morty owns. Of course, all property in India is invested." Mm-hmm. And then he asked me, "Did you ever see Prabhupada?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I did see him once." And, and practically with tears in his eyes, he said, "Wow, I would give anything to be able to see Ramanujacharya." <laughs> Ramanujacharya, and I thought, "Wow, that's really interesting that so many hundreds of years later." They still have the same feeling for Ramanujacharya, and I thought, it's, I wonder, is it going to be like that for Prabhupada? And I think a lot of us would like to see that. It's good to have sentiment toward any devotee, and yeah. he is in a he is in a prominent position in other parts of the world. It's not like in India where we've got so much right. variety. He's he's the only game in town, pretty much, if we play it properly. If we don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but of course, in the context of that, you would you would also be introducing people to Rupa Goswami. And I could imagine people saying, "Boy, I would give anything if I could see Rupa Goswami too, <laughs> or Krishna Skaviraj, or Bhakti Vinod, and so on." But yeah, but, but I think that's uh, that's uh, that's good. At the same time, of course, then then we we would. Um, It's un- it's unfortunate that that idea, uh, you know, as, as you stated, beautiful as it is, sometimes is stated in such a way as to um, obscure any future possi- possible contributor to Gaudiya Sampradaya. That, that, that's certainly not something that Prabhupada, Prabhupada wanted. So let's you know take out all the fanaticism and all and understand the philosophy rightly and and all glories to Srila Prabhupada would be the thing to say. Jai, Sisi Daji Gopal ki Jai, Madhavan ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktivinoda ki Jai, Gaur Premanand.